Okay, okay, okay. Who remembers what the name of the series is that we've been doing? Okay, who remembers? Besides Luke, any youths? Youths that remember what series we're doing? Literally none? Not God is love. That was the series before, but you're close. Close. It's not, he said what we've done that series before though. Yeah, prayer is Sundays. Okay. All right, I'll open it up to leaders. Jonathan, what? Take it from me. Yes, I'm not throwing it this time. I can't. I cannot. Okay, take it from me. So we've had a couple of people. All right, all right, all right. Pay attention. Focus up. Okay. So we've had a couple of them so far. Isaac has done both of them. So Isaac did Peter. Do you remember? Take it from me. Don't doubt God. Do you guys remember that one? Just a couple weeks ago. And then um, Moses. Do you remember with the Israelites where it was take it from me? Take it from Moses. What? What are you doing? What? Why? Why? <laughs> I was so close. Um, take it from me. Don't complain. Do you guys remember that one? Yeah. Yes. Complaining sucks. Don't do that. Okay. So tonight is not worth it. All right. So tonight, it's my turn. I don't get, I haven't preached here for a long time. And it's been a while. So tonight I'm continuing the series and I'm going to be talking about Thomas and Paul because I couldn't decide on just one. So I'm talking about Thomas's story and I'm talking about Paul's story. So I just wanted to start out by mentioning that you guys are all in a season that we all are in, but for a long time you guys weren't in it. And this season is starting to figure out what you believe. How many here... told me that this is what I should believe or, you know, this is what my family believes. But I'm, try- I'm talking about that time in your life where you transition from, like, I just believe whatever my parents believe 
to trying to figure it out for yourself. And so I think that that's really important for us to talk about when we're teenagers. Because the first time that I started to really question and evaluate what my parents believe compared to what I believe was, was, I, was when I was in middle school. And it continued, obviously, until today. But uh, um, the question is, what do you believe? What do I believe is nice? What's, what do I believe is the nice thing to do? What do I believe is a good friend? Does anybody have ideas in their heart when they say, well, what's nice? Nice is really relative, right? What's nice to you can be completely different than what's nice for somebody else. What do I believe is a good friend? What do I believe I'm on this planet for? For the first time in your lives, you guys are trying to figure out what you believe you're here for and what do you believe happens after you die. All these questions are things that you don't really think about until you get to middle school and high school. And so that's different than, than anything else for a long time that you guys have had to deal with. Sorry, it's really hard to pay attention with all this feedback. So I'm going to really need you guys to pay attention because it's already hard enough, okay? Sound good? All right. <laughs> so your parents told you what you should believe growing up, right? And if they didn't tell you, they showed you what you should believe, whether that's good, whether that's bad, whether that's religious, or whether that's nothing. They, they taught you something. And so... Um, so you're probably at this point in your life starting to question what it is that you believe. Um, especially when you get into an environment like this. Like when you walk into a church, all of a sudden. Is that better? All right. Is that better? Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're just going on a journey with the sound system tonight. Just going on a little journey. So especially, should I? Well, that's because I should be using it. I did turn it off. Okay. Yeah, but it's also shouldn't be feedback because the sound system should just be working. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so especially when you get into an environment like this, you know, oftentimes when we go to school, we can just have ideas handed to us. And when we go through our lives, we just have ideas handed to us. But when you get into a church environment, things shift and change because you start to question things that you really don't think about very often. Things like, what am I here for? You know, is the Bible real? If the Bible's real, what does that mean? What does the Bible even say? All these questions are things that you don't really think about until you step foot in a church. And so I really wanted to help you guys work through some of that tonight. Because I'm sure a lot of you guys have questions about Jesus, right? Who here has a question about Jesus? Who here has a question about him? Don't lie. Half of you don't even know who he is, and you just want to know who the heck he is. That's fine. It's fine. So a lot of you guys have questions as far as who Jesus is. And what do we believe about Jesus? And something I want you guys to leave here tonight is thinking about who Jesus is. Is he who he says he is? Because it really does matter. Either he is who he said he was, and it changes things for our lives, or he's not who he said he was, and why are we even here, right? Why are we even here tonight at church? So I wanted to let you guys know a couple of things that Jesus said he was. You guys ready to hear it? Okay. Things Jesus said he was. The son of man. It's pretty normal, right? A lot of people, all the dudes here are like, yeah, I'm a son of ma a man. That makes sense for me. But he also said he was a son of God. 
He said he was the Messiah, which means the Savior. Giver of eternal life, forgiver of sins, the bread of life, meaning like, you know, you live off him, which is weird. Um, the good shepherd, the true vine, the light of the world, the future judge, a servant of all, lamb of God, the door to salvation, the great physician, the way, the truth, and the life. Those are some huge claims. Claims that nobody had ever made and been right until Jesus was born. Because there were people, a lot of people, around that time when Jesus was born who pretended like they were the Messiah and they got crucified and nothing ever came of it. But what makes Jesus different is that we believe that he is who he said he was. So the question is, who is he? Is he all those things that he claimed he was, or is he not those things? So if he is not those things, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, does that, somebody want to read it? Somebody want to come up here and read? Jada does, but do you do? Jada, you can do the next one. You come up here. Little bro bro, get up here. Okay. All right, you ready for this? Is it on the screens for people who want to pay attention that way? Okay, it's going to be all of this through till that. Does that make sense? Okay. It's in New Living Translation if you guys have your Bibles. Is it um, this one? Yes. But tell me this, since we preached that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no re re resurrection, resurrection from, of, from, of the dead? <coughs> Sorry. For it, there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ had not been raised either. And if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we, ap I, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce some things. Apostles. Apostles would be lying about God. For we, um, hold on. we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no re re resurrection, I'm sorry, of the dead. And there is no, and there is no Christ has not been raised. Then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died of believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for the life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. One, I, First Corinthians, First Corinthians, fifteen, twelve, nineteen, and elsewhere. Yeah! Here's your candy. Here, take a candy, buddy. All right. So basically at this time, there were people in the church who were saying that the dead, people who have died, cannot be resurrected, meaning come back to life. Now that's pretty radical for our churches. When's the last time you heard of somebody being raised from the dead? What? Oh, that's right. Nobody? Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> it does not happen all the time. Writer's the only one. I'd love to hear that story later. Anyway. Okay, so at that time, there were people saying the dead cannot be raised from the, from the dead. They can't be resurrected. And Paul was basically like, yo, guys, if the dead can't be resurrected, then that means Jesus wasn't resurrected. And Jesus, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then that means that all of us are stupid and to be pitied. More pitied. It says here, more pitied 
than anybody in the world, meaning we're all a bunch of nut job fools if Jesus wasn't resurrected. So the thing is that if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then what does that mean for us? Any ideas? Yes? Stupid. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, if, yeah, you want a candy for that? Go for it, bro. It's like a little fish. He's always jumping. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, if Jesus is not who he said he was, then the first thing is that all of us sitting here is a complete waste of our time. And that means that all of our sins are not forgiven. And that means that we can just do whatever the heck we want because we're, we're just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right? But what if Jesus is exactly who he said he was? Most of us here believe that. If you believe that, then this is the other half. Okay, so if Jesus is all of these things, then it changes everything for us. It means that everything has to change in our lives. So Jesus, when he came to earth, the things he said were really, really radical. They were really, really different than anybody else had ever said. He gave, I was talking to McKenna the other night about this, that when Jesus came to earth, he laid out a new grid for everything in our lives. And the things that he said were just so contrary to everything that they had ever known. And it was really overwhelming for the disciples. But it means that everything had to change for them. It means that everything had to change for the disciples. They were so used to living their lives the way that they were. They had all different sorts of backgrounds. But they had to change everything about their lives. But if he is all these things, and then that means that nothing else is the way, nothing else is the truth, and nothing else is the life. Because here's the deal. Other religions will try to lump Jesus in with a bunch of people that they say are good teachers. Have you guys ever heard that? Jesus was just a good teacher. That's very, very common for people to just say about Jesus in order to lump him in with like all different sorts of people who were also teachers. But the thing is that he, if he was a good teacher, he wouldn't have said all these things unless it was true, right? Okay, so imagine somebody saying all the things Jesus said he was, that he's the bread of life, the only door to salvation, the way, the truth, the life. Okay, if somebody were to say that, you would not call them a good teacher, would you? You'd be like, you are a nut job. So that means that the Pharisee, there was a Pharisee when Jesus was claiming all these things, there was a Pharisee who came up to Jesus and spat in his face. And that would mean that that Pharisee was right to do so because Jesus was basically just a, a blasphemous, mentally unstable liar. Because nobody would say something like that. Nobody would say all of those things that Jesus claimed unless it was either real or unless he was a crazy man, right? Because the, because the things Jesus were a liar, which is also crazy. So if, if Jesus said all these things and he wasn't actually the way, the truth, the life, then he would just be a liar. He wouldn't just be another good teacher, which is what other people say that Jesus was. But 
he is exactly who he said he was. So when Jesus, when we realize and we recognize the fact that Jesus is everything that he said he was, okay, so that means what? That he is the Messiah. It means he's our Savior. He, that means he's, let's find the next one. Where is it? Okay, the giver of eternal life, forgiver of sins. This means he is this to you. He can be accessibly this to you tonight. So listen to these. The bread of life. Maybe you're just feeling like, you, you, like life's not enough and you're always hungry for something. You're always looking to the next thing to fill that part of your life. That means that he can be the bread of life to you. He's the only one that can satisfy that. That means that he is the light of the world. Maybe your life feels really freaking dark tonight. The Bible says that he is the light to the world, meaning he can be light in your life if it feels dark. It means that he's a servant of all. Maybe you're somebody who feels like you only ever serve other people and people never give back to you. You're never seen, you're always stomped on. The Bible says that Jesus was a servant of all, meaning that he isn't here to just take and take and take and take from you, but he wants to serve you and love you and cherish you. That means that all of these things were exactly who he was, and it's exactly who he is tonight. So I want to talk to you guys about a guy named Paul. Who here knows about this dude named Paul in the New Testament? Isaac, why? Um, okay, quite a few of you. So if you guys don't know who Paul is, Paul is somebody who had a crazy testimony. He's somebody who was literally murdering, killing, putting Christians like through the ringer and just destroying the church. And um, basically he was just really, really zealous for the law. And then he has this crazy experience when he's on the road to like go kill more Christians. He's on the road and Jesus is like, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who the heck are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting, suck it. And Jesus basically blinds the dude. He's blind for three days, gets prayed for and healed. And so he has this crazy, crazy conversion story where he was like killing Christians one blinded him. Really, really, he is a Christian who's been healed from blindness because Jesus blinded him. Really, really weird, really, really crazy story. So this is Paul's story. So everything changed for Paul. In three days, everything changed for Paul. He realized when he came under the realization that Jesus is who he said he was, he wasn't just some crazy maniac, he wasn't just some liar, he wasn't mentally unstable. When he realized that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, then everything changed for him. So does, uh, do you want to read the next one? Okay. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 11. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I perse persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. 
So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message you have already believed. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I realize that it's just the verse number on the top of it. Okay, so basically, okay, so to put it in layman's terms, basically, Paul is like, I also saw Jesus. Um, for I am less than all of them because I was persecuting them, but then God found me and... Um, and now it's by his grace that I'm able to preach, preach the Bible, basically. So he had this crazy conversion where he all of a sudden went from like night to day, complete spiritual blindness to like realization that Jesus who he, is who he says he was. So this is the good news, guys. This is the good news tonight. Jesus did come and he did rise from the grave. And I know it's hard for you guys to wrap your mind around because we take that kind of term for granted. If you grew up in the church or you grew up in America, you hear that all the time. That Jesus was born from a virgin. He lived a life. He died on a cross. And he rose from the grave. There's like millions of children's songs about it. And so we can oftentimes take that for granted. But I want you guys to just take a second to really wrap your mind around the fact that everybody else in that time frame, there were so many other people who was preaching that they were the Messiah. And Jesus is the only one who did die and he did rise from the grave and he was exactly who he said he was. I want you guys to think about that because this matters, okay? This matters for your life. If Jesus really did die on the cross for your sins and then rose from the grave, then that means it demands something of us. Listen up, everybody. Mackenzie, all of you guys, everybody around. I want you guys to listen to this because this really matters. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave, it demands something of our lives. Okay? We can't just take salvation and do nothing with it. Salvation is not meant to do nothing for us. And I'm not talking about just the will to be able to live a perfect life or do things right. What I'm talking about is the power to take you from death, feeling like you have nothing in your life, feeling like you're anxious or depressed, or feeling like you have no friends, to having your heart completely full of life. That's what Jesus died to give you. It's not just the power to stop sinning, you guys. And that's what I got, want you guys to understand tonight. Jesus either isn't who he said he was, and he was a liar, or he is exactly who he said he was, and you have the ability to take advantage of everything he died to give you tonight. Okay, so here's the deal. Paul took advantage of it, and it took him to places that are insane. You read the book of the story, the book of Acts and all the New Testament, the things that God and Paul, Jesus and Paul did was crazy. So I want to talk to you about one last guy, Thomas. Everybody knows him as Doubting Thomas in the Bible. Two completely different guys. So we've got Paul who knew nothing about Jesus, no grid at all for, for Jesus, and God completely changed him. 
And then we've got Thomas, who basically was following Jesus around, knew who Jesus said he was, and he still didn't get it. When Jesus resurrected, he said, you know what? I'm just going to kind of, uh, just kind of pull this in. Yeah, so, okay. So Thomas was one of the 12 disciples, one of the inner, inner circles. So he's not just some guy. There was like a bunch of people, hundreds of people who were following Jesus. But Thomas was one of the guys who Jesus was closest to. So, okay. So when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, meaning Jesus is here, Thomas. We've seen him. But Thomas wasn't with him at the time. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, meaning like stick my finger through his hole in his hand, which is gross. Unless I do that, then I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas and said, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, meaning he did a bunch of stuff with them, cool magic tricks, or, you know, it's obviously not magic tricks, it's Jesus tricks, but saying, you know. Um, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let me just read that last part about this. But these, all the things in the book of John, were written so that when you may believe that Jesus really is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Did you guys hear that? He didn't say so that way you will stop, you know, stop struggling. He didn't say so that way you will not have to have a single thing going on so that way you'll just go to heaven. He didn't say any of that. It says that you will have life in his name. I believe that if Thomas or Paul were here, they'd have something that you wanted to take from them. And that would be this, that Jesus was everything that he said he was. Every single thing that Jesus said he was, was true. He really is the way, he really is the truth, and he really is the life. You know, and some people, maybe you're here tonight, and you just, you're, you're grappling with one of these. I really believe that this is the word that God gave me for tonight, this, this little part here, the way, the truth, the life. Maybe you're here, and you don't even know if Jesus is the only way, or if Jesus is the way to eternal life. Maybe you're here and you don't know if he's the truth. You know, you look at his, the writings of the Bible and you really struggle with the truth, the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Or maybe you're here, and this is the big one, guys, and you don't believe that in Jesus you have life. But I want to tell you guys something. The only reason why I'm here today is not because I have done it right. It's not because I grew up in a Christian home or anything like that. The reason why I'm here is because Jesus is life. 
He is life for you. I grew up in a, in a time where my parents, I literally cannot remember one time that I saw my parents reading the Bible. They never introduced me to the Bible. They basically shoved me, you know, at a Baptist church every once in a while and said, you know, that's where you get your Bible time is from a Sunday school teacher like once a month, once every few months at church. And that's kind of how they did it. So when I hit middle school, I was like, what really is the truth here? Because I look at my parents and this doesn't look like the truth. I look at the people around me, my friends aren't happy. So that's not the truth, that's not life. You know, what really is truth? What really is life? And you start to wonder that stuff when you become a teenager. All of a sudden you look at your parents and you look at their cracks in their life and their holes in their heart and you say, well, why is that? Is that because of what they believe? And you start to wonder these things and grapple with things for yourself. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't even know what I believe anymore. Maybe Jesus, I mean, maybe he, part of it is true. Maybe some of it is true. Who knows what's true and what's not true. Maybe this is just a really good way to live. But I didn't really recognize relationship. And I went to a youth conference when I was a sophomore in high school. And I guarantee you, it was like Paul. The change that I saw in myself, I, I went into the room where people were worshiping the Lord. And I could just feel the shift. I could just feel that there was more. I had a hunger in my heart because I felt happy for the first time. Because when you go into the presence of God and he really does shift and change you, for the first time you don't feel lack when you come into his presence. You don't feel like you have to try to win somebody's approval because he is complete acceptance. You don't have to feel like you have to behave or act a certain way because he knows you completely. And I'll tell you guys, I went into that youth conference and I had a lot of things that I struggled with in my life, a lot of things that I, um, that I was holding on to. And to be honest, all of the sin in my life was basically just ways to cope with my life. But when I left that youth conference, I'm telling you I was a new person. And it was not because of just I figured out what was the right way to live. Although that is a symptom of spending time with the Lord is that he knows exactly what you should do. He knows exactly what you should say. He knows you better than you know yourself and he can direct you because he knows you. But the main thing, the big thing is that that part in your heart, that life, that thing that desires to be alive and you know, you know when you're not alive. You know when you're not fully alive. And when you come into the presence of God, there's life, guys. So I want you guys to know that tonight, that if Thomas or Paul has something that they wanted you to take from them, it's that Jesus is who he said he was. And take advantage of it. Take advantage of the life that he's given you. Don't just do the right thing. Don't just not do the right thing because you're trying to fill that. But just come to him. Come to him for life. And so John was right. If you look at that last verse, it says, these were written, all of the Bible was written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I just wanted to end it with this, that if you have come here tonight and you feel like you've never been fully alive, ever in your life, you can't think of one time where you were truly fulfilled and happy. That you can't think of one time 
that means that you haven't tasted and seen that he's good, okay? It's really hard as Americans for us to kind of distinguish, have we encountered the presence of God or not? Am I saved or not? And I'm telling you, when you come into the presence of God and you feel completely fulfilled and satisfied, you don't question if you're saved anymore. Do you hear me? You don't question if you're saved if you've encountered his presence. And so if you are somebody here tonight where you feel like, I've never felt alive, then I want you to talk to a leader tonight. Whether it's tonight or whether you make a meeting with a leader for some time this week, I want you guys to reach out and take this seriously. Because like I said, if Jesus isn't who he said he was, then none of this matters. But if he is who he said he was, then that requires something, right? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then the leaders are going to come up, and we're going to do small group. Okay, God, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much that in you is life, and life abundant. You know, this is Easter season. Easter is in a week and a half, and it is a really, really good time for us to evaluate ourselves. It's a really good time. So I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would um, help evaluate us. Search our souls, just like the Psalms talk about. Search my soul and see if there's any fault in me. God, I just pray that we can bear our hearts open to you, that we would surrender our lives to you, not because we just want to be good, but because we want life, and in you is life. In Jesus' name, amen.